Greetings, football fans, and welcome to Season 2 of the CBFA Podcast. I'm your host, James Parks. Each week, I'll be joined by one or more of the field announcers to discuss all the action from Shouldice Park. It's the Calgary Bantam Football Association Podcast, and it starts now! Okay. Welcome to the CBFA Podcast. Um... I'm all on my own today, so we're going to run down week five and part two of the week one makeup games, and we'll go from there. We'll have a look ahead to next week because Cole would want it that way. Okay, so starting off the action this past Saturday, September 24th, week five, started with quite a bang, the uh, Wildcats. And the Chiefs faced off at 9 a.m. at Hellard Field with the Wildcats taking the game 38-16. to 16. Uh, Originally, it was reported as 32. So, yes, Greg, we, we made the adjustment. Uh, at 11 o'clock, uh, the Rebels took on the Lions. And uh, the Lions took that game handily, 52-0. Uh, to zero. Of course, I wasn't at either of those games, so... Uh, would have been nice to tell you more about them, but unfortunately, that's that's all I can tell you is the score. So this is going to be a pretty short episode, folks. Bear with me. At 1 p.m., the Cowboys faced off against the Mavericks, and the Cowboys uh, won that game 47-0. And then uh, the 3 o'clock game at Hellard uh, was the Raiders, 38 over the Hilltoppers, zero. So uh, I, I wasn't at Hellard Field. I was at Field 8, so I can tell you a bit about what I saw uh, in the Stampeders game against the Colts. So at 1 p.m., uh, Stampeders faced off against the Colts, and it was a uh, it was a, a pretty seesaw battle. It went back and forth. The uh, uh, The Colts were, were doing pretty good um, throwing the ball. And uh, and getting some yards, but they they couldn't make too many first downs. Uh, the Stampeders defense stood them up pretty well, and uh, and Stampeders offense was able to uh, move the ball on the ground a little bit against the Colts. But again, uh, Colts defense stood up pretty tall and uh, held them to a field goal. Uh, so at the half, it was it was three nothing for the Stampeders. In the second half, um, Stampeders looked like they were going to score. They were moving the ball and getting it close to the red zone uh, when they fumbled. And um, one of the uh, the linemen, um, I should probably have some sheets in front of me, but I don't. <clears throat> Number 92, I remember that much, uh, picked up the ball off the turf and ran it back all the way for a touchdown. A Colts touchdown, and uh, uh, it was it was uh, an amazing run, great run, um, very uh, very athletic play by uh, by that player to be able to pick up the ball on the run without putting a knee down, which would have ended the play. So, um, again, the the Stampeders were able to get their own uh, onside kick um, a couple of times in that game. Uh, but uh, 
again, moved the ball down the field and looked like they were they were uh, getting into scoring position. And um, and then they they uh, turned the ball over on the one. So the Colts had the ball on their own one yard line. Oh no, it was a punt return. That's right. And there was a penalty that brought the Colts back to the one. They did a quarterback sneak on first down, and the quarterback popped through the line, and there was there was nobody there. So uh, he he bolted and. He was probably 10 yards up the field before anybody reacted. Uh, and he was gone. 109-yard run uh, to uh, to score the uh, the last major for the Colts. And they ended up winning that game 14-3. It was, uh, it was a very, very evenly played game. And uh, the score doesn't really indicate how close it was. But, um, uh, yeah, those, uh, those teams, I think, made me again in the playoffs. And the final game, uh, Saturday afternoon, Field 8, was the uh, Eagles taking on the Bulldogs. Again, uh, the the Eagles have had a, a pretty tough schedule, but uh, they came into the game 2-2. Two and two. Uh, Bulldogs, one of the few remaining undefeated teams, came into that game 3-0. and oh. But um, they, uh, the Bulldogs played a very solid game on defense. And um, and they they really stifled the Eagles' offense all day long. After a while, the uh, the Bulldogs' offense finally broke through that Eagles' defense and was able to score a couple of touchdowns. So Bulldogs full measure for their fourteen zero win over the Eagles on Saturday. Then on Sunday, Sunday, <laughs> Sunday was a day of rest. Uh, I'm sure that there was a few teams that were getting ready for Monday's action. Uh, Monday, September 26th, we started with uh, 6 p.m. game Bulldogs at Wildcats for um, the makeup game for their week one. It was washed out. Uh, that game was, uh, you know, these teams were both on one one day one day off another day on that's that's tiring but uh they showed no sign of of going slow or slowing down um both teams played really well uh uh i thought the uh wildcats might have taken a few too many penalties uh, i cost them at the wrong time and the game was closer than than the final score indicated again i thought uh, both teams had chance of of winning that game um it was actually uh the bulldogs jumped out to a 17 nothing lead at one point for the wildcats came back and made it 17 14 and uh late in the game the wildcats got the ball um they started a drive deep in their own end and uh, they needed probably oh three or four first downs maybe you know, half the length of the field, 50 yards at least, to have a shot at at Hope. And um, Hope was snuffed pretty quickly. Uh, the Bulldogs intercepted the ball, and uh, they were able to score um, as the game, the time expired. So final score in that one was 25-14 to 14 for the Bulldogs. And uh, they, are, they are now 5-0. and oh. Uh, match the Raiders at five and zero. Oh. Uh, the Wildcats dropped to four and one. 
That was their first loss. Then the 8 p.m. half game was the second half of the Mavericks at Lions. The Lions led that game 8 nothing at halftime. So we played the second half of that, and uh, it was a, a spirited game. The Mavericks were doing very well with with throwing the ball. Um, they uh, they were able to hook up with uh, a, a couple of longer passes. Um, one of them paid off. They were able to score. Uh, unfortunately, uh, uh, the Lions were also able to score. So the second half was... was uh, only a touchdown apiece, and the final score ended up being 16 for the Lions and 8 for the Mavericks. So, standings as they sit right now the uh, in the Kentoon division, uh, the Airdrie Raiders are, are leading. Uh, they're still unbeaten at 5-0. and uh, The Cowboys are a game behind, four wins and a loss. The Hilltoppers are uh, right behind the Cowboys, three and two, another game behind. Uh, the Lions come in behind the Hilltoppers at two and three. They're followed by the Mavericks at one and four, and the Rebels at 0 oh and five. In the Brock Jacobs division, the Bulldogs lead that division with a five and zero oh record. Wildcats a game behind at four and one. The Foothills Eagles. And the Colts come next at two and three. And uh, the Stampeders and the Chiefs uh, finish out the, the, the division at one and four. So those are your standings after five weeks. We have no more games to make up. We're back on schedule, which starts this Saturday, October 1st. What a great segue, if I don't say so myself. I do say so myself. <laughs> so starting the day at 9 a.m., we've got the 1-4 Mavericks taking on the 1-4 Chiefs. Um, I think that's going to be a really good game. If you can get down to Hellard Field, I urge you to do so. Um, come early. Stay all day. Uh, you'll get hungry at some point. That's when you pop over to Superfan Snacks. Make sure you... Get all the snacks you need, coffee and everything else. Uh, 11 o'clock. Uh, the Rebels, 0-5, take on the Stampeders, 1-4. and 4. Uh, that, uh, We expect that one to be a Stampeders victory, but we're, uh, we're always hoping for an entertaining game either way. At 1 o'clock on Hellard Field, the... Two and three Lions take on the four and one Wildcats. And then uh, also at one o'clock over at field eight, the Colts at two and three take on the Hilltoppers at three and two. And uh, at three o'clock, the afternoon games over at Hellard, the Raiders five and zero oh, take on the Bulldogs five and zero. Oh. So that's going to be a game that you definitely want to see. Um, definitely, definitely want to see that one. And uh, at over at Field Eight, at the same time, the Cowboys are taking on the Eagles. So there we have it. There's this week's roundup of all the CBFA action. 
Um, I will take this time to uh, talk about time because we had some issues on uh, on the weekend and uh, and again Monday where uh, some folks uh, weren't sure how the clock was working. So I'll, uh, I'll break it down for you all right here and um, and then you'll know and you can tell all your friends. So the uh, the CBFA has uh, its own rules for timing that aren't aligned with, um, you know, directly with the CFL or the NFL or any other league anywhere. We we mostly go by CFL timing rules. However, um, due to restrictions in in field time and and that sort of thing, uh, the clock. For each quarter is reduced to 12 minutes from from the usual 15 um and the uh the teams are are given only two timeouts per half instead of three um as you know the the games have to be have to be done and over in in a two hour time slot so when the clock is running um there are uh basically three different stages uh, that the clock will run. There's um, regular time. There's uh, stop time, which is uh, specifically only in the, the final three minutes of each half. So the final three minutes of the second and fourth quarters uh, run stop time. And I'll explain all this in a minute. And then the, the final uh, clock stage that uh, we get to is, is the mercy clock, which is... Uh, what we call run time. So regular time, stop time, and run time. So with regular time, uh, for the first and third quarters entirety, and the second and fourth up until the referee blows the, the triple whistle at the three-minute warning, the clock runs in regular time, which uh, is it runs and only stops for four reasons. A penalty an injury, a score, or a timeout. So uh, it doesn't stop for change of possession, and it doesn't stop uh, if you run it out of bounds or if you throw a an incomplete pass. The clock will keep running uh, until, you know, a score happens somebody scores a touchdown or a safety or a field goal whatever whatever the score is any score will stop the clock uh the coach calls a timeout that'll stop the clock uh a penalty the ref throws a throws a flag the clock stops while they sort it out and then of course if someone is injured then we need to take care of them so the clock stops that's it regular time um then in uh, stop time, at the end of the second and fourth quarter, uh, we will stop the clock after each play and start the clock on the ref's signal of his winding arm. He'll, he'll wind his arm a few times to tell you to start the clock. So in that regard, the clock only starts... Um, again, after a, a timeout, it, it will start on the next snap of the ball. If if the play gains yards, 
the clock will start running uh, a few seconds after they reset the ball and uh, before the, 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 the play actually starts. Uh, if it's an incomplete pass or if they run it out of bounds, that's when, again, the clock won't start again until the ref winds his arm, which is going to be on the snap of the ball. So in, the, in that way, it saves a lot of time. The last three minutes, a lot of football can happen. A lot of football can happen in the last three minutes of each half. And um, and that's that's stop time. Um, and then uh, run time is uh is when one team has a, a 35 point or greater lead on the other uh we go into runtime uh when we are going into runtime we have to inform the refs and both coaches that we are going into runtime so that they understand that the clock is going to go faster and the game will end sooner they will be able to run less plays they will have less time to come back or less time to pile on. In runtime, there's only a couple of things that stop the clock, and that's uh, um, the three-minute warning. The clock will stop on the three minutes so they can warn the coaches that there's only three minutes left in the game or the half. Usually the game at this point. Um, it'll stop if the coach calls a timeout. And it'll stop if there's an injured player. Um, but for scores and penalties, the clock keeps going. Change of possession, clock keeps going. And that's the CBFA timing rules. And if you have any questions at all, if you're unsure, you can ask the guys at the bench down at field level. And, uh, and they'll help you out. So coming up this Saturday... Starts the first of two weekends where all the players will be wearing pink socks in support of the Canadian Cancer Society and the fight against cancer. And together, uh, the league has raised $3,600, which they'll be donating to the Canadian Cancer Society before the Rebel Stampeder game this Saturday. So that game goes at 11 a.m. It should be a good game. And they're going to be wearing the pink socks in uh, in support of cancer. So, yeah, make sure you're at Shouldice this weekend. Come to Shouldice Park. Watch some football. Support some good causes. Hey, eat some good snacks. Enjoy the fall, lovely fall weather. It's going to be a beautiful day because they're going to be playing football. Right? There you go. That is, that's this episode. Thanks very much for tuning in and uh, we'll catch you next week. The CBFA podcast is brought to you by longtime players of the game sponsor, Wolf Cadillac Calgary. Check out their selection of new and used vehicles online at www.wolfcadillaccalgary.com or in person at 1720 Barlow Trail Southwest. And game day wouldn't be the same if not for Superfan Snacks. They're located near the plaza area of Shouldice Park. Superfan Snacks proudly supports minor football at every level. Find them on Facebook. Thank you for listening. <laughs>